0: to another edition of the Paul's Body Engineering Podcast. Today, we bring you episode number 13. We've done 13. Very, very proud of that. So today, I thought I would touch on um, something that is very close to me. And obviously, I'm flying solo today, no interviews. But what I wanted to talk about was my job, personal training, but in a whole. Because I've often heard... um, Numerous sort of flyby comments regarding personal training, and and there's a lot of inconsistent, um, I guess, misconceptions out there about what a personal trainer actually does, in particular the more successful ones. And what you've got to remember is personal trainers, there's sort of, I look at it as three phases. So there's three phases of personal trainers. There's the brand new ones that have just graduated from college or, you know, um, TAFE or whatever it might be and, and qualified and entered the workforce. Then there's the, the ones that are sort of halfway to being established around that 18 month to two year mark. Um, you know, they've, they've, they've sort of built themselves up. And then there's the, the long-term ones that have been around for a while that have a great client pace, a great reputation. They've got um, a very good uh, rapport with their clients who have stuck with them for a long time as well. They've got great success in regards to results for their clients. Uh, so that's they, sort of the three phases that I, that I often look at in regards to a trainer. Unfortunately, the scary statistic at the moment is that personal trainer turnover is about six months. So from graduating to entering the health and fitness industry as an employee or a, a contractor or you know working for yourself, and six months later, you're having to go and look for another job because you can't sustain a living. It is a scary statistic. But what I wanted to talk about today is a holistic look at personal training and what actually goes into it what's involved and in particular a lot of the lows or a lot of the the hard work and the the blood sweat and tears that goes in behind the scenes that not a lot of people think about because when you look from the outside in you often just see the face-to-face contact with the client the 30 minute or the hour session um and that's it that's sort of the surface level that you see from the outside looking in when in point of fact there's so much more that goes into a successful personal training business and I wanted to sort of elaborate on that and give people more of an insight as to what the day-to-day grind tends to be because I'm T to you, there's heaps. You know, In order to be successful in this, in this industry, as we know, it's a saturated market, it's an incredibly competitive market, there are gyms everywhere, there are personal trainers everywhere, and there is this assumption that I can pursue a personal training career and I'm gonna earn thousands of dollars a week, And I'm going to have all this extra time on my hands. It's going to be cool. I'm going to be working in the gym so I can train all the time too. Man, I must admit some of that kind of is true, but a lot of it is not. And I want to dive into some of that today and and sort of give people that may not be aware just an insight into the highs and lows of personal training. So first and foremost... um, you know, there's there's a misconception or just an assumption that that trainers earn thousands of dollars. And unfortunately, this has been given a bad name due to social media. You know, there's a lot of InstaFit people out there that, that actually do earn a large amount of money. And I know a lot of them. I don't know them personally, but I know of them. And I, I know what they can potentially earn based on what they're selling and followers and things like that. So going down that path unfortunately you can earn a lot of money but in my opinion it's not a sustainable business because what happens if instagram decide to shut down one day or they change their their model altogether or you know facebook decide to go in a different direction or sell their business all those people are going to be stuffed because they haven't got a contingency because they're not actually working physically in a gym or in a studio or face-to-face in any capacity um so there is a level of inconsistent income when it comes to personal training. And I, and I see this from week to week. I don't earn the same income every week. I can't remember the last time my income in this industry was exactly the same from one week to the next because it isn't. You know, I have a number of PT sessions booked in every week, I have a number of online clients that pay me every week. Um, but the PT sessions in particular can change like this week in particular I've had a couple drop out because their kids have been sick or they've been unable to attend due to work And that's cool. I've got no problem with that. That's not a problem at all And they've let me know with with plenty of notice, but straight away that impacts my income so you know you take a couple of people out of my uh, personal training week and All of a sudden there's a couple hundred dollars gone, you know I'm, I'm talking around numbers here, but that that's sort of the impact it can have so that's, that's sort of something that people don't realize. Now, the other thing um, when we're talking about the finances of personal trainers is your overheads. They're actually quite large. Like, I sort of roughly calculated that about 60% of my total weekly income goes to overheads. And, and granted, I have a gym, you know, so I've got to pay for that gym and, and I've made that choice. Um, but it's a fantastic studio and it gives people an opportunity to train outside of a normal training facility. But I've got to pay rent. I've got to pay insurance, I've obviously got to pay um, utilities, so lighting and water. Um, I've got to pay uh, the registration for my um, uh, regulatory body as well. And uh, insurance that I mentioned before, not only for the premises and the equipment and everything like that, but also PT insurance to protect myself for public liability and things like that. All of that costs a lot of money, <clears throat> excuse me. So that's an overhead that you've got to consider. Now, the other thing is professional and personal development. When you first leave your qualification, so when you get your certificate three and four in fitness, you're a qualified personal trainer, okay? But unfortunately, what they don't teach you, and there's a massive gap, a massive, (coughs) you'll have to excuse me, a massive gap between graduating that qualification and entering workplace Now, the the personal training business or industry within Australia is one such that you work as a sole trader. You don't generally get employed as an employee with all the um, added benefits of an employee. So, holiday pay, sick pay, annual leave, all those sorts of things. (coughs) Excuse me. It's more you work for yourself. So, when you work for yourself, you're effectively running a business. Now, what they don't teach you in your Certificate 3 and 4, or they do touch on it very, very um, broadly, is how to effectively and sustainably run a business. So there's a massive gap there. So you've got to figure that out. So unless you've got some good business acumen of you've got some good support around you, good guidance, you're thrown in the deep end straight away when you start your own personal training business. And this does not stop. Even to this day, six years on, I'm still managing my own business. So I am... Managing my cash flow, I'm doing my books, my accounting, my marketing, my sa- sales, my invoicing. All right, I have to pay all my bills myself. Um, all of those things have to be done in my time. Just another thing that has to be done. Now, I touched on nutrition before. I kind of got with there. Nutrition is another component that is incredibly important and an integral part of a personal training business. Because think about it. Whenever a client approaches a trainer, they do it for a reason, right? And nine times out of ten, that reason is weight loss. That is the primary reason for anyone getting a personal trainer is weight loss. Um, when you talk about a, a general population, so you need to be qualified in a, in the appropriate nutrition uh, to do that, to offer that sort of service. And unfortunately, they do not teach you that in personal tra- in the personal training qualification. They do not provide you with the support or the ongoing insurance. So you actually have to go out and do that yourself. Get that further qualification to ensure that you were covered. So you need something in in applied sports nutrition to do that, to be able to offer weight loss assistance, uh, metabolic adaptation, body recomposition, all those sorts of things. That costs thousands of dollars. So this is another thing that has to be done and you've got to find the time to study too because they have a time limit on that study. So you've got to find time to study, you've got to do it and you've got to pay obviously for it as well. But the benefit is that you can offer that service. But then that leads down to the path of doing that service. So it's not a case of, Training someone face-to-face, and within that 30-minute session, you're giving them all the information about nutrition. It doesn't work like that, and, and it can't work like that because you're going to overwhelm the person. You're going to smash them with too much information at once. not going to remember it, and it won't be successful. So you actually have to provide them support out of those hours. So this is where the successful trainers have success, is that they have modeled their business in a way that they can provide additional service and support each individual client on a customized level so that they will achieve their goals. So things like weekly check-ins is a perfect example. All the good coaches have weekly check-ins where you can sit back and analyze data based on what they've given you um, all around their nutrition, their training, uh, current weight, measurements, photos, um, stress levels, water intake. All these sorts of things are paramount to a successful week. So that takes time. So for me, I do check-ins every Friday and I, it will take me anywhere from three to five hours to get through all of the check-ins I've got to do. Now, you know, granted, that's great because it means I've got a lot of clients and I've got a lot of check-ins to do. It means I'm, I'm in that successful category, which I'm, I'm absolutely um, grateful for, but it's more time. It's more time that you've got to commit to your business that people don't see. They don't see you sitting on the computer for five hours and then constantly going over data to ensure that you're giving the correct advice. So it's another component that is sort of happening behind the scenes that others are not aware of. Now, another thing that not teach you in the personal training qualification is the ability to counsel. Because individuals... Um, You know, on an individual basis, all have issues that they have to deal with to overcome to ensure that their health and fitness journey is successful. So this could be simple as having arguments with their partner, you know, issues with their kids, financial stress. Um, Maybe they're just, they've got some mental health, uh, a mental health situation that they're trying to overcome. and, And they've been led to believe that that training will help with that, which I'm all for. All these sorts of things. You know, I've had, I've had clients come in and break down in front of me. I've had clients burst into tears because the, the training has been too hard, but it's actually been an issue outside of that that they've had to overcome. Um, they've got massive anxiety, depression. All these sorts of things fall into it. And if you're not aptly equipped to manage this, It's going to really um, wear you down. And that's the other thing that really stood out to me when I first started doing this job was the emotional toll and the mental fatigue that you succumb to um, on a week-to-week basis. You know, you're dealing with multiple personalities. If you're doing 40, 50, 60 sessions a week, that's potentially 60 people of different personalities, of different levels of fitness that you've got to manage and give them the best gold standard service that you can on a week-to-week basis. It's really draining. I get to Thursday afternoon and I'm really fatigued and not physically. You know, it's more of a mental fatigue that I'm, I'm, I'm um, suffering or I'm not suffering from, but I'm feeling. You know, As the years progress, you, you adapt to that style, um, that workload, and you certainly manage it better with other ways in terms of self-care and obviously your own training and things like that. But it can take its toll. So you've got to be prepared to counsel people, and I'm not saying do it in a way that um, you know you're you're providing them with psychological um, guidance or advice or anything like that. Like if it becomes out of your scope of work, then you need to refer them onto to the, the appropriate professional. Absolutely, but. During a session, you know you might draw on your own experience. And this is something that, that bodes well for me is that I've got a lot of life experience. You know, I'm 42 years old, I've been divorced, I've remarried, I've got three children. Um, I've seen a lot in my time. Uh, and I can draw on that experience and empathize with an individual if it, if it is relevant to their situation. Um, so that's a big plus. Experience is a big plus. But if you're an 18 year old and you're disqualified as a personal trainer, how how do you get experience? You don't get experience without time. So you need time in the field. You need time in the trenches. And you don't get that experience unless you do your time. So you've got to start from the bottom and you've got to put in. And this is the issue as to why personal trainers are, are turned over every six months because they're not prepared to wait. They want success straight away. Just like everybody else, when they go on a weight loss journey, they want success immediately. We're a very impatient population. We really are. So, you know, all of those sorts of personal family stress, anxiety issues come up from time to time and you've got to be able to deal with that. But the other issue is you've got to be able to switch off when you go home. Sometimes, you know, I I, I wear my heart on my sleeve a lot and I'm I'm an emotional guy. And, you know, if I'm dealing with a client who's having some dramas or they're having some issues of some description, um, you know, I don't want to be taking it home to my family. I want to switch off and, and go home and it took me a long time to manage that. So you've got to be prepared to do that when you enter the personal training world. Now, the other thing that um, many people aren't aware of is is the frequency of communication with your clients. Now, when you offer a service that goes beyond the 30-minute or an hour session, particularly online, you've got to draw up some boundaries immediately because otherwise, if you're providing online and you're providing a 24-7 support, you're going to get text messages all the time. And you've got to look at it from the client's perspective. It's just them messaging you. They don't realize that they're messaging you plus 10 others are messaging you at the same time. So they don't think they're doing anything wrong unless you set the boundaries immediately. And unfortunately, I didn't do that, but it's not a problem. But in saying that, you don't want to be getting a work message at 9 a.m. on a Sunday or 8 p.m. on a Friday or at 4 a.m. on a Tuesday if you're not awake or you're not at work so, again, you've got to have those boundaries. But these things do happen. Sometimes people need to contact you. They might be in the middle of a training session and they go, hang on a second, I don't know what this exercise is. I need to, I need to speak to Paul and figure it out. So I'll get a message in that, in that regard and say, well, what is this exercise? So I'll have to dig up a YouTube video of mine and send it to them. And that's fine. I'd rather them do that. But if it's 10 a.m. on a Sunday, you know, I'm, I'm having some downtime. So I may not get back to them for three or four hours. So they've got to be aware of that, you know, and some people demand that contact. So you've got to make sure those boundaries are set. Otherwise they'll get upset and then you'll get upset because you made them upset and then they'll potentially leave. And then you go, Oh my God, I've lost a client. I need to replace them straight away. So it's a bit of a um, an evil cycle that can develop. So as long as you're on top of that, it's not a problem, but yeah, That's certainly something that I learned early on as well as that communication. Um, I've got no problem with clients messaging me. Um, I have made myself available to them, but there are limitations within that. The other thing, and I'm going to continuously say the other thing because there's a lot I want to get on this list. You often have to manage clients' expectations and the fact that sometimes they don't get the results they want as soon as they want. And unfortunately, a lot of this bows from, uh, or stems from eight-week challenges, um, You know, unrealistic, insta-fit people, getting quick results, um, crash diets, all these sorts of things. And it goes back to what I said earlier about being impatient. You've got to manage the expectation of, of your client. Um, so again, it comes back to the counseling that I talked about earlier. It can be really tricky, you know, because people want those results. And if you're not upfront with them straight away, and this is where the inexperienced um, personal trainers struggle. Like if they're 18, 19, 20, they've only been in the industry within 12 months and they get a client who comes to them and says, I want to lose 10 kilos by Christmas and it's September. And the the trainer, desperate for work, desperate for clients, desperate for money, goes, yeah, 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 no, that's no problem. We can do that, absolutely. Absolutely, let's just start training. So firstly, they they probably don't have the appropriate nutritional qualifications which would support that type of goal. But secondly, they're just going to smash the person and hope that they're doing okay with their eating or provide incorrect or um, inappropriate nutritional advice. And then that person doesn't lose weight or they've got an unrealistic expectation because the the parameters haven't been set from the get-go. So you've got to manage each individual's Um, expectations from the start and tell them that it's going to be a long time you've got to have patience you've got to be dedicated you've got to be committed and you know what if they're not prepared to do that then they're not the client for you and i've had to have that conversation numerous times and when clients have walked sometimes i'm okay with that because sometimes it's not worth the hassle or the hardship or the emotional toll to try and manage them on a week-to-week basis when you could put your time and energy and effort into someone who really wants your, your time and your effort um, and is prepared to do the time to do it. So something else that, again, happens behind the scenes, and I'm going to say that a lot, um, that you may not be aware of, um, something, and, and the, re, the reason I came up with this topic for this podcast was I had to have a, a few tough conversations with some of my clients in recent weeks in regards to their immediate goals and potentially not making those goals. And I tell you what, man, I, I had some sleepless nights because it's a conversation that still to this day, I find really awkward. I find uncomfortable. I don't like having it purely for the fact that you, you feel like you're letting that individual down. You know, They've come to you for a service, they're paying you money to do that, and you haven't achieved that. Now there's obviously a lot of parameters and variables within that, but I still felt like I was letting those individuals down. So you've got to be prepared to have those tough conversations, you really do. And I'm not saying be a hard ass, I'm not saying be a, um, a boot camp soldier type sergeant, drill sergeant, whatever. I'm just saying that you have to be prepared to have tough conversations at certain times, to give the kick up the backside that you need or to really drill home the message that you're trying to get across so that your clients do achieve their goals. Because at the end of the day, that's what you want. You want your goals, you want your client's goals to be achieved. But sometimes they might just think that you've got the magic answer, you've got the, the, all the, all the secrets and you'll just make it happen. When in point of fact, they've got to bust their butt every single time they go to the gym. They've got to eat correctly. They've got to support everything with effort and doing all the 1% is right. And they're the conversations that you have to have. Now, as I mentioned right at the start, running a business, you know, it it requires a lot of energy. It really does. Um, And the other thing is, as I mentioned, when you work full time, is when you run a business, you don't get holidays you don't get sick days okay you don't get time off well you can but when you take time off no one's here to to do the training sessions for you so i've learned recently to that's okay and i've had i've had the fortunate um position where i've had someone been able to backfill me for a little bit but early on when you're when you're Living week to week, and you're struggling to a degree, and you're relying on that income, and you decide to go away for a couple of days because you you need that break. That's a massive hit to your to your pay. Um, so you've got to be prepared for that. Sometimes you have just got to dig in and work and work and work until you're ready to take time off when you know you can financially do it. But if you fall sick, particularly in the current times that we are now, any sign of sickness, you can't go to work. So straight away you've got to cancel your sessions and that could mean hundreds of dollars. So that's another thing to consider. Um, You know, when you're working for yourself, it's a a hard and bitter pill to swallow at times when you've got to say goodbye to money. And unfortunately, money makes the world go around. It really does. Um, So when running a personal training business, obviously you're supporting and servicing clients that work themselves. Now, a lot of the time, those clients have jobs, obviously. Um, and I've just said that. I realize it's doubled up. So their jobs, generally speaking, are sort of the you know the, the standard hours, a 9 to 5, 8 to 4, whatever it might be. So you have to work outside those hours. That's the, the peak times for a personal trainer. It's generally sort of the 4.30 to 5 a.m. start time and the 6.30, 7 p.m. finish. And those that are keen can work Saturday mornings. You know, it, you work some of the, the nastier hours. And it's, it's effectively a shift work. You do the morning, you might have a break, then you might have some mid morning clients, then you'll have another break, um, and then you'll have an afternoon to evening shift. Now, that can take its toll, and I've felt the full force of that. You know, when I got to my peak busiest, no online coaching, purely just PT sessions. Um, You know, I was doing upwards of 60 sessions a week. I was working six days, um, 4.30 a.m. starts all the way through to 7.30 p.m. finishes. They're big, big days. And when you take into consideration all of the personalities that you're dealing with, all of the emotional turmoil that you've got to take on board and manage and empathize, empathize with, by the time you get to your last couple of sessions, man, you are wrecked. So that's why you've got to manage your week. You've got to manage your time. You've got to manage your mental health um, because if you don't, you will burn out. And personal trainers burn out all the time. They really do. So it's important to manage that as effectively and efficiently as you can. And if it means sacrificing some sessions to do that, then you kind of have to. As, As attractive as the money may be, you kind of have to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. So early starts. We can like I've done it. I've burnt out. I've done it. I put my hand up, and now I don't start as early as I used to for the sheer fact that I know I need to to not only have the sleep, but also mentally, I I don't like having my alarm go off earlier than 4 a.m. And that's a mental thing for me. It just it grinds on me if I have to get up at 3.30 or 3 a.m. It really does, particularly if it's consecutive days in a row. And that's, <clears throat> excuse me, that's personally just me. So I've managed to overcome that. And obviously um, now I don't I don't get up that early, but um, early on I did and, it, and it, it did take its toll. So that's another thing. Like, But you cannot let your clients know that you're tired. You cannot let them know that you're fatigued. And, and because... The client that you have at, say, your last client, say, at 10 a.m. on a Friday compared to the very first one that you have at 5 a.m. on a Monday, the service level should not be any different. You cannot complain to your client that you're tired because they're probably tired. They've worked a week as well, but they don't want to hear the complaining. They've turned up to put in a hard session with you. You can't be complaining in their ear. So that's what I mean. You've got to make sure that the service you provide is top-notch from start to finish in every week. And you can't let your fatigue, your tiredness, your hunger, your emotions get in that way. You really can't. Um, Now you've also got to be, and I'm changing or diverging a little bit here. You've also got to be prepared to market yourself. Now that's another hard thing when you run your own business is marketing correctly. Um, I'm not a salesman. I never wanted to be a salesman. but you do have to sell. You've got to sell yourself, you've got to sell your service, you've got to sell your business, you've got to sell your brand. And that can be tough. And it takes time for people to recognize your brand, it takes time for people to trust your brand, it takes time for your reputation to precede you in a way that people are referring new clients to you, they're referring their friends, their family, their colleagues, etc., to you. That takes time. But you've got to continually do the work. So each week, you've got to sit down and strategize a marketing plan. You've got to strategize good content to put, you know, and social media has its place. It really does, but it's not the be-all and end-all. There's plenty of ways to skin a cat in regards to marketing, but social media, it's free. So you can obviously uh, utilize that to full effect, but you've got to do it. You can't just put up crap for the sake of posting, you know, go, oh, I haven't posted today, so I'll, I'll put up this picture and... Um, you know, uh, an emoji that's a bicep curl, or bicep, that's it. What's that going to get you? That's not going to achieve anything. You've got to put up good content, good content that is relatable, that is attractive, that people will remember. Um, It's got to be catchy. It's got to be, you know, succinct. It it can't be too long and boring. Um, So there's a lot of things to consider when it comes to marketing your business. And this is what we do when we're not, doing face-to-face is that we're strategizing our next approach to marketing um, to ensure even if even if we're busy, you still got to keep pushing out there because who's to say that in two or three weeks' time you don't lose two or three clients in a row for whatever reason and then you've got to find two or three to fill those voids. If you're not marketing at the top of your game, new clients will potentially go to somebody else. So you've got to continue, continually... Um, do that and grind and continually just uh, hustle is probably the word, best word um, that Gary V uses all the time. You've got to continually hustle, got to stay in the grind. Um, but the other thing is, you have to continually look forward too. And this is something that I learned early on, and, and that it's one of the reasons why I'm sitting in a, a studio now, and not in a, a box gym anymore, is because you've got to progress in your business, you've got to develop. You've got to progress. You've got to look at other avenues to earn money. You've got to be able to expand, um, take on new staff, have other avenues of income. Um, you know, enter different realms of the, the health and fitness industry that might open up new opportunities for you. So you've got to continue to look at ways to progress. Otherwise, you're just going to stay still. And you know, I, I don't want to be a 50 year old PT doing 60 sessions a week. I really don't. So. I wanna be a PT that still does personal training, 100%, no two ways about it. But I also wanna be able to sit back and have other um, avenues of my business working that I've spent years building up to. So that's another thing that needs to happen when you're not training. Um, So it's, you know, there's so many things that go into a successful personal training business. And I've obviously just touched on many of them right now. Um, the qualifications and professional development is a big one you know i mentioned the nutrition qualification and there's so many different qualifications there that you can get to further advance your own levels of personal training whether it be strength and conditioning or um, you know you might want to hit a specific niche um, in regards to personal training might be uh, rehab or um, you know, calisthenics or stretching or um, marathon running or cycling. You know, there's, there's various ways to really pigeonhole a market, but you need the supporting qualifications to do that because that's what people should be looking for when they, they research a personal trainer if they're doing their due diligence correctly. Um, they should look at obviously their success, um, obviously, results, qualifications, reviews, and referrals and testimonials but more so the qualification component, I believe, is something that people tend to just assume you've got because you're working as a personal trainer. But as I said before, the personal training qualification covers jack shit. It really really doesn't give you much of a scope of anything other than to train someone in a gym facility. But even that is limited because the, the, the insurance that they encourage you to get as soon as you're qualified doesn't ensure you to lift weight, to do any style of bodybuilding style training or powerlifting. It effectively only uh, covers you for circuit-based training or boot camps. And a lot of new trainers get caught out by that. They really do. So they're not covered. So if someone gets injured or hurts themselves and you're doing a deadlift with them and you've got that insurance, you're stuffed. You do not have the insurance to support you. So it's important to Further develop your profession by getting new qualifications and further advancing yourself um, along those pathways. Um, so, you know, problem solving is a big key aspect of personal training because every single person is different, right? Every single individual that comes through your doors or comes into your gym and approaches you has a different backstory, has a different history, has a different level of strength, has a different level of fitness, has a different um, percentage of body fat, has a different age, has different mobility, has different flexibility. Um, all of these things are paramount to working out a pathway for them to their health and fitness goal. And you've got to knuckle down and figure out the best approach you know it's not a simple case of just throwing them under a bar and starting to squat and just smash them on their legs or whatever the case may be because that might not work for them they might not want to train their legs but they're doing what they're told because you're the trainer but in point of fact you've got to get down nitty and gritty and, and break it down and and, and a lot of the time you've got to build the trust with the individual it's not a simple case of You're the trainer, they're the client, so they'll do what you tell them to do. You've got to have a level of trust where they buy into your prescribed methods, where they buy into not only the reputation that you've developed, but also the results that you've gotten. And they go, right, this is the guy or the girl for me. They're going to get me my results. So I need to trust them. I need to follow everything. Because I've I've had plenty of clients that will, they'll train the house down, but they'll only follow their nutrition plan to say 75 80%. Well, that's not going to get you to your goal as quick as you want. So, you know, they might Monday to Friday do it fine, but then the weekend comes along and and, and but they're telling you they're 100%, but then you get tagged or uh, you see them on Instagram or social media in some some way, you know, having a couple of drinks with friends or out Saturday night with an espresso martini or whatever the case may be, because they like to sort of glorify that on, on their own platforms. But then you see it and you go, well, hang on a second, I'm seeing that, but what else am I not seeing? So that you've got to have that level of trust where they're completely transparent with everything they give you and you're completely honest and open with the conversations you have with them. That's the only way you will get success. And by doing that, you'll have long-term clients because they will stick with you because of that relationship that you've developed. So you've got to be able to problem solve. You've got to be able to troubleshoot. And then when you do, you know, if you do weekly check-ins or if you do check-ins with them at at a regular interval and the result isn't what you expected or the result is not what they expected, you've got to troubleshoot that situation. You've got to figure it out. Well... Why did you gain a kilo? Did you eat anything out of the ordering? No. Okay. Um, okay. What about your sleep? Did you have a poor sleep last night? Yeah, I didn't go to bed until 11 p.m. Excuse me. And then I was up at four this morning. So I only got five hours sleep. So, excuse me. Did you feel tired now? Yes. Okay. When did you eat dinner? Oh, I had it at 10 just before I went to bed because I, I worked a late shift. Uh, okay. So potentially you've put on fluid, not fat, because you've eaten your food and you've been honest with me about that, but you had poor sleep, you worked a big day, you were on your feet all day, and then you had a late meal, and it's 7 a.m. and you're a kilo heavier. Well, that makes sense. See what I mean by troubleshooting? You've got to figure out what's going on. and And the uneducated client will come and you go, oh my God, I've put on a kilo of fat, but I've followed everything you've said. What have you done? And they'll start to blame you. So you've got to manage that situation, you know, and when people are dieting, they're, they're generally emotional. They, they can get stressed easy, they're hungry, you know, they, they feel like they're missing out because they're being really strict with their food. Um, and all of a sudden, they're not losing weight in accordance with what they expect. So you've got to lower that expectation and you've got to give them a realistic, truthful answer about what's going on. Um, so it's important to be upfront and honest from the get-go. Set those standards, those those boundaries straight away to ensure that they know from the get-go what to expect they know they're in it for a long haul and they know that they can rely on you to get them to where you want to be where they want to be so you know i've I've sort of put a, a relatively negative spin on on the personal training world and you know i wanted to be open and honest with everyone that listens to this because as much as i love my job and this is the longest job i've ever had i'm 42 years old now and this is by far the longest job i've held because i love it i i am so grateful for it i've got a great opportunity working a fantastic facility with so many great people but there are some some downsides to personal training that not a lot of people are aware of and that's what i wanted to talk about today because you know it can be tough and to all the personal trainers out there that may be listening to this that are just starting out, man. You got to grind. You got to grind. You got to get yourself into a good position and just continue to grind. Put yourself out there. Continue your marketing. Be smart with with your contact lists and your database and and how you mark yourself in your gym and online and you know you, your methods. Make sure you've got the appropriate qualifications. Make sure if you're in a gym, you've got the support of the gym. You know. Don't be a statistic where after six months you've given up because there's no income, you're not building your client base. You know, it takes. It took me 18 months to start to see a return. Um, you know, at 12 months I was sort of breaking even, but 18 months I was actually starting to make some money. And that's still with overheads. You know, if you're working in a gym and you're new, they give you four weeks, uh, generally, four weeks of rent free. And then after that, you're on your own and you've got to pay rent. And rent can be anywhere from, you know, $200, $250, $300 a week. So that comes out of what you're earning. So if you don't have enough clients to support that, well, you're not going to make any money. Um, so it is a tough gig. It's a tough gig. But once you get past that point, once you get past that 12, <coughs> excuse me, 12, 18 month to two year mark, where you've got the repeat clients, where you're getting referrals, where people are recognizing you, they're suggesting you to others, it it becomes easier. You still gotta grind, you still gotta hustle, you still gotta continue to market, you still gotta run your business at full pace, but the pressure's off because you're you're earning better, you know, your income's okay, uh, you're helping so many people, they're getting results, and then that obviously leads to more leads and more opportunity but it can be tough. And I would love to figure out a way where we can bridge that gap from the personal training qualification to entering the workforce or recalibrating the personal training qualification so it's got more business-based stuff in there plus more comprehensive nutrition. Um, I think those two things are paramount to ensuring that personal trainers that enter the workforce that are fresh and new don't get spit out in six months' time. If they've got more business acumen where they know how to run a business, they know how to manage cash flow, they know how to pay bills, they know how to keep their books, they know how to market themselves, then they will last a hell of a lot longer. They really will. But that just adds to the level of stress that a personal trainer undertakes when they first start in the industry. You know, it's not all bells and whistles, it's not all rainbows and unicorns, unfortunately. And unfortunately... When you're, and, and I've had conversation with people about this, when you're sitting back watching a PT work and you go, oh, well, wow, they've done you know five clients this morning at so many dollars per client and then they've got this many in the afternoon, times that by five days in the week. Wow, that's actually a pretty good income. But what they don't know is all the stuff that I've just explained, all the stuff that goes in behind the scenes to, to build up to get those clients and to continue to work to maintain a level of interest and, and generate leads, but also the overheads you've got to pay, the constant professional development you've got to do, the ongoing marketing you've got to do, and then obviously all the emotional involvement that you have in regards to your clients and maintaining them to ensure that they're, they're happy and you've got um, a gold level of service that you're providing. So it's a tough gig, you know, it, it really is. But like I said, I love it. I wouldn't change it. Um, and you know what, like if, if anyone is looking for a personal trainer, and, and this is not by any means trying to sell myself, but you've just gotta you've gotta do your due diligence. A good trainer will empathize with you, they will listen, they will help, they will provide correct guidance, they will understand, they won't give you cookie-cutter programming, they won't give you cookie-cutter nutrition, they will actually customize. Um, They'll keep in touch with you. They'll give you appropriate feedback. They'll be honest. They'll be transparent. If they don't know, they will tell you they don't know. But the good trainers will then go and learn what they don't know to ensure that they can give you the correct advice. All these sorts of traits are what you need in a good trainer. So, I love my job. I really do. And it's good to sort of speak about the highs and lows of the job because every week is different and that's what I love about it and I think that's why I've been in it for so long. Um, you know, when you work in a, I guess, a white-collar job where you're in an office or, you know, you've got a weekly task list to get through, it beca- becomes monotonous and I've, I've been there, I've done it. But this job is completely different every single day. In fact, every, nearly every hour is different, you know, when you're dealing with multiple people who come in who've had different experiences, have different results. Um, you know, if they come through the door and they're on a high because they've had a good day, they're gonna train so much better and that's gonna pick you up. But then if they come in the door and they've had a shitty day, they've had an argument with their partner, they're stressed, <clears throat> well, they're, their is gonna be down and they're not gonna wanna perform, but they've turned up because they've committed to turn up. So you've got to switch that that um, attitude around, that mental state around. It's on you as the trainer to give them the best experience so that when they leave half an hour later, they're on top of the world. They're floating out the door. So that's why a week to week is so different in, in this job. It really is. But as I've said numerous times now, I'm incredibly grateful for this opportunity. I love my clients. I love my job. I love the world of personal training, of Some of the clients that I've had for such a long time now, I consider more than just clients. And people could argue, or you're crossing that line between business and relationship or business and friendship. Um, But I don't believe so. I think in personal training, it's a little bit different because you have to emphasize the word personal. In order to get results, you've got to be personal. You've got to provide that personal level of service. It's not just a smash them session and that's it then you don't hear from them until the following week it doesn't work like that um you know when the personal training job or role has evolved so much over the years that you've got to put so much into every client to ensure that you give them the level of service they deserve that they're paying for and that they want to come back for and i think that's the key so that's it from me guys thank you very much if you've enjoyed this podcast please screenshot it share it on your stories tag myself paul's body engineering Um, i appreciate everyone that's listened so far and stay tuned for plenty more podcasts to come but as i say to every client and i love saying this to every client every single week have a great day